All right. So um, I wanted to do this, and I encourage you to be reading ahead. And obviously, uh, as we track along with this, uh, I recall for us, we want to study Deuteronomy in the context in which Deuteronomy was given. Now, in Hebrew, they don't call it Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy is a name that arrived through the Greek when they translated uh, Hebrew into Greek and, and the Septuagint. They gave it this name, Second Law. But in Hebrew, it's a very simple name that means words. Or we would say singular in Hebrew would be Debar. And plural, you'd say Debarim. And that's the name of the book. So really, if we, if we take a look at Deuteronomy and, and learn these words, again, Debarim, these words that Moses spoke to the children of Israel, you'll recognize this. He, he's recounting their history. But there's some key things that as he recounts their history, he's given the interaction, not only of the things that he said, but if you listen closely as we read this today, Moses is telling us where the Lord said what to do. The, the words of the Lord are actually recounted. Now, as we come to this study tonight, and I've entitled tonight in Deuteronomy 2, Ready Words. Ready Words. Now, they are all camped out at Moab. Uh, you might remember the incident of Baal Peor. That all took place right, right across from Jericho. They're looking across the river. They're, they're ready to cross into the promised land. And, well, Moses is not going to get to go with them. So the entire book of Deuteronomy are the things or the words that Moses wants to share. Now, I find for us that we are right on the, if you will, right on the edge of the promised land. In all the days and, and watching prophecy fit into place, uh, I know in other circles who hold a different view of prophecy, they're not thinking like we are. But when we hold to the promises of the scripture that Jesus is returning and literally going to set up his kingdom and that Ezekiel 38 and 39 are going to be fulfilled, we believe that the church will be raptured out. We believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe that at the rapture, all who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Those that have gone before, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, we will all meet the Lord in the air. We will meet them in the air. And with that anticipation, and as we study and look at scriptures and we look at prophecy, and uh, it used to be where it would be far more obscure to look at the news and you would have to find these stories that fit. Now you look at the news, and and many of us are looking at how can it be that the Lord has not caught his church away yet? Now with that anticipation, then I look at these words, much, uh, again, really not not the exact same words that Moses shared with the children of Israel, but in the same way, ready words. Ready words to prepare them to enter into the promises of God. Now, uh, honest, I, um, I, I really am not looking forward to inheritance here on the earth. I, I don't have any plans of riches and wealth and lands and buildings and things like that. And as I share that with you, does not mean that I do not have the view of riches and inheritance and promises of, of glory in heaven. I, I do, and I, I take that view. So as I impart this to you tonight... 
I believe that as we look at these these words, that there are ready words that God gave through Moses under the children of Israel as he led them through the wilderness. And it's this exact same ready words that if we listen to the Spirit as he gave the words in that day, these words will ready us for what's coming. Now, when we read 1 through 7, and thanks, uh, thank you kids for reading the Word of God. You, you all read very well, um, which is really good. Uh, the, the understanding out of the Word of God, if you look at verses 1 through 7, you'll notice that Moses is recounting for them the journey from Mount Seir when they had to go around the land of the Edomites, and he describes how they passed through the land of Esau and they were able to buy food and, and drink from them, but they had specific instructions not to meddle, nor that God would give anything from the possession that belonged to Esau, but that they would pay for or they would buy what they would eat and drink. Now in verses 1 through 7, I recognize here that this is the word of provision. If you look at verse 7, For the Lord thy God has blessed thee in all the works of thy hands, He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Now, you can just footnote this because we're going to be back to this when we get to chapter 8. And it's absolutely amazing that the Lord, through the provision, again, day in, day out. How long is 40 years? How many days? Well, 40 times 300 is what? That's 12,000. And then you take 60 times 40, another 2,400, okay? And then you take 5 times 40, another what? 200. So that's 12,000, 14,000, 14,600 days. Is that right? And a quarter, right? I didn't account for leap year. What We understand day in and day out, they ate the same thing, they drank the same thing, and, and God's provision. Now, we come to this, and, and we need to see clearly that, that in all the things that God has really promised us, did God promise us in Jesus Christ uh, health and wealth and prosperity and all the riches of this world? Quite the opposite. He promised unto us that our needs would be met. Now, I, I looked at this, and I came to this study, and I'm like, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. All what other things? Well, your needs would be met. Now, in this word of provision, I cannot promise you the days that are coming before the Lord comes to catch us away what those days will be like. We used to think, because everybody said that way, that we'd go right from our nice, comfortable, you know, Western society, Christianized Western society, receiving the benefits of the blessing of God in which society was relatively good to live in, that we go right in the rapture. But we're experiencing quite different that the trouble that Jesus said would be in the world, well, it's in the world. And I would I would point to this in the word of provision. Now remember this, Deborah words. And the first one is word of provision. They are going to not mooch off their brother Esau, they're not going to go in and say, God, why don't you give us this? And get? No, they are going to buy. They are going to pay with silver that they have. And God has blessed the work of their hands. Now, some of you might recall, and hopefully all of you do, but in the early days of the church being birthed in Jerusalem, in those days, 
3,000 souls added in that, that day of Pentecost. You think you have discipleship problems in church? Not enough people to disciple young believers and, and to meet, and are they doing okay? And, and can you imagine, you know, all of a sudden needing to disciple 3,000 people? Now, it's one of the things some of my friends and I, they talk about, well, what if there's a revival, or what if this goes on, and then who's going to disciple? I listen to these guys who were around for revival in the 70s and 80s in different parts of this country, and those that were in the Lord for two weeks, again, in the Shiloh House Ministries, I've talked with John John Higgins at length about these things. If somebody was two weeks in the Lord, they were being made a leader of the house because they were longest in the Lord concerning those who were coming. Because they had people coming to the Lord. And, and this is their policy. You, it, it became known you could come to a Shiloh house and you could have a, a shower and a bed and you would be fed. And you could, I think you had three or four days you could stay there. And during those three or four days, many people got saved. And then some would stay, some would move on. But so many people were getting saved. He calculated it out for me one time. And, and he says, I think of all the years that we did Shiloh House and where they were at in different parts of the country, he says, conservative estimate, honestly, he says, 100,000 young men and women were saved during that time through that ministry. Now, we think of these things of, of provision. Now, for the children of Israel, they were instructed, you know, and, and that they would buy. In Jerusalem, when they got saved... We're told that, that those that had possessions sold it and they brought that before the apostles' feet and that's how they distributed and met the needs. Well, remember, most of the Jews who were saved, they didn't actually live in Jerusalem. They were there for feast and stayed on for the Feast of Pentecost and they never left. They didn't have homes. They didn't have places to stay. And so in that time of outpouring of the Spirit, many sold their possessions. However, that was not the mode that carried forth. In fact, later on, the Gentile church brings and, and sends and brings money back to the church at Jerusalem. That's not the model. It's not communal living. It's not as Christians. Sell all that you have just to meet the needs of the other Christians. That was for a time, and that time passed. But what were the instructions to the church? Well, Paul tells the Ephesian church, when he's talking to them about putting off the old man, putting on the new, he says unto them, and again, we can, we can take this as instruction. Let those, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that may he have, give, may have to give him that needeth. First Thessalonians 4. They were told to seek to lead a quiet life and mind your own business. I think that one made my fridge and, or when I talk to people, seek to lead a quiet life, mind your own business. But the idea of, of not meddling, but rather taking that opportunity. What are you doing with your time? The instructions were study to be quiet, to do your own business, work with your own hands as we commanded you, and that you may walk honestly toward them or without, and that you may have lack of nothing. Now, I I would just simply give us this word that Moses gives them, words to make ready, ready words, right? Work with your hands, right? The, The idea of... Provision, many times that's God's provision for the body of Christ. He has blessed you to be able to work to meet your needs and the needs of others. Now, we haven't thought that way for a long time here in Western society, you know, uh, North American churchianity. But there have been 
many places where that has to be revived. Now, verse 8, 8 through 12, the word of possession. Now, studying this, I think this is one of the wonderful things that you can see the way God is. And if God does it for them, right, what will he do for us? How many times are we like, well, why does God seemingly bless other people and yet I, I don't get, I don't get, and we can trouble ourselves for really no reason. Moses is reminding them how when they went through the territory of the children of Esau and the way that they went, and then, and then they come to, to Moab and the Lord said to them, he says, do not distress the Moabites. Don't meddle with them. Don't, don't think I am going to give you anything from their land. I gave it to them for a possession. And since it's for the children of Lot as a possession, it's theirs. He's not going to take it from them and give it to Israel. Children, children of uh, Lot, children of, of Esau, that, that's their possession. And furthermore, God was able and did through their, through his ability to give to them. He dispossessed the, the giants that were living in the land and he gave the land to, to the children of, of, uh, of Lot to the Moabites and to the children of Esau. They succeeded giants that had lived in their land and God was able to give that possession to them. Now, listen on, the, on this. The word of possession. Now, children of Israel could have gone right up into the promised land two years. In two years, they had the command to go up. They refused to go up because there were giants in the land. Now they come to this place, and not only do they see that they are not going to get the possession of that which was promised to Jacob's brother Esau, that's his. You ever stop and think? Esau gets his possession from the Lord right away. You can read it in Genesis. While Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they have to wait 400 years. Israel waits 400 years to get their possession. And while they're wandering in the wilderness, they pass through. And then you think about the children of of Lot. And I read it. I made the turn back in Genesis, Genesis 18, Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's it's the incestual relationship, well, drunken night that the two daughters of, of Lot then have the Moabites and the Ammonites. But God gives them a possession. Now, in this word of possession, now, again, I don't think I'm stretching this too far as far as Scripture is concerned. God has promised them to give them inheritance and a possession in this world. And he made good for Esau. He made good for the Moabites and the Ammonites. And the promises to Israel, he will make good for them that they will have their inheritance and their possession. Well, what's the stretch? Not a stretch. What is the value of the possession of the life that God has promised you? Now, if I'm going to give you a word, Again, Deborah right? Deuteronomy. If I'm going to give you a word in the days in which we're living that would actually make you ready for what's coming, it would be to stir you up to receive your inheritance and your possession of everlasting life in the everlasting kingdom of God and prepare yourself for that. Now, what's the battle? Well, Satan can't take you away from that life of Christ, but he will war against that and he'll sow the thoughts. And all along, how many Christians who, who, you know, travel in this world in trouble are thinking, am I really going to make it to heaven or not? Is this really true? Is this really going to happen? And Satan loves that type of, 
of environment. But if you see the promise that God was able to give possession to others, and even to take those giants out of the land, the children of Israel should have every expectation to make it in. Now, that's where I'm at with sharing with you in the word of possession. Okay, In these words, we need this. I have an inheritance in heaven. I, I talk like this at my day job. I, I, I tell everybody there, I'm paid better than everybody else here. My benefit plan as a part-time employee, right, it's out of this world. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. And then some catch on. <clears throat> but do we really believe that? Hey, I don't care if you have a job that makes and pays great money here. You're still going to be left with what? When you go, that doesn't go with you. Are you disguising your, your real inheritance and possession because the things of this world have, you know, they're too hard, they're too heavy to carry around? But if you lighten your load in regard to what that is, and so I just received this for days in which we're living, the word, what is our possession that's to come? What do I really have? Well, I really have this. I have my life. Love the book of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah ministers the word of God in troubling times. You, you know how the book of Jeremiah can prepare you for perilous times? You want to continue to speak what God has told you to say to family members, to friends, co-workers, to the public? Book of Jeremiah. And it was not an easy life. But you know what God promised both Baruch and Jeremiah? He says, in all that you will experience and all the trouble that will come your way, he says, I will grant your life to you as a prize. Do you, do you view your everlasting life with Jesus as a prized possession? Now, next one, verses 13 through 15. This means I'm excited, Chris. You see that right there? Oh, yeah. Hey, verses 13 through 15. And, and what strikes me on this, when they're told to rise up and get up and cross over, hey, when they cross over that, that brook Zerid, they are right on the place from which they'll go up into the promised land. That there's, there's no more crossing over until they come to the Jordan. And then the record states, from that time, it has been 38 years. Okay, When they first could have gone up from Kadesh Barnea, they have now spent 38 years until the generation who were numbered, who were of army age, that's 20 and above, those that were numbered, they all were destroyed. The Lord, hand of the Lord was against them, and they were all consumed. Now, in, in this, I, I believe I, I, I see in here the word of patience. Hey, 38 years is a long time. You know, think, think about this. I mean, how, how, many, how many of us in the room can say we've walked with the Lord for 38 years? I'm, I'm not there yet. So at, I'm at 51 I, w <clears throat> I was saved at about 16, but I didn't turn and walk with the Lord till about 26. Now, when you start being able to say, I've walked with the Lord for 38, 48, 58 years, and you know that's been a long time, and all the things that you've seen in the Lord, and how many people have fallen away. Now, we don't know how God deals with personal, with things personally. We do know about the children of Israel, and think of those that remained. Now, I've seen this enough. I mean, I've pastored for 15 years, and, and I've seen many people come and go in church. And, and almost one thing is completely consistent. Every time somebody goes, those that remain, seemingly because they love the ones that have left,
They, they, they don't really want them to go, so they'll go and talk to them and listen to them. And, and they usually have some reason or some thought or something, whatever it is. And, and yet, those that remain are the ones who endure and stay and work out all the issues. And we don't know how God is dealing with people. It's a work of patience. And now, furthermore, I'll give you the word of patience. Hey, what if the hand of the Lord is against someone and, and you don't know this and, and the Lord takes them out? Now, as I say that, I, I'm, not, I'm not prophesying, I'm not saying any of those things, but I just know that this waiting of all the children of Israel who stayed, they watched all the children of disobedience be consumed along the way. My encouragement to you is continue in the Lord. It really doesn't matter how many times you stumble as you do what. It's a work of patience to get back up. Run in the race. It doesn't say that, that you ran the race and, and you, you had perfect form the whole way. You know, in fact, there's only two places at a race like that where people are watching. At the beginning of the race and at the end of the race. See, this is a word of patience. And so I'll hand it off to you this way, enduring to the end. What goes with patience? With patience takes perseverance and persistence. If I, I just simply would hand that off to you. I mean, if you have to walk another 38 years before the Lord raptures us up, or, or you, your real view to be enraptured changes when you die and, and you're immediately with the Lord. And, and then how many have gone before? I mean, this is a word of patience. Now, what are you hearing when you hear patience? I'm telling you what I hear. I'm hearing remaining in difficulty and trial and being unmoved. Word of patience. How long is too long to wait? Well, I, I don't know that answer. Right? The, is, is there a how long is too long? I, I, if you start thinking in terms like that, you've set a time period on God. God, if you don't do this in, Lord, I'll wait another six months. Or, Lord, if you don't change this in three years, I mean, how long is too long to wait? And there really is not an answer to that. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10.35, I'll give us 10.35 and 10.36 tonight. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So I share it with you tonight, I'll recap it. There is the word of provision. Okay, Your needs, the Lord will be with you. Uh, the, that's what he's promised, right? I will be with you always, even to the end of the, of the age. The word of provision, the word of possession. I have an everlasting life that I am going to receive in reality when I'm with the Lord. And however difficult, however much time, however, however many dealings that God does with people, are you not frustrated with all the people who stumble in sin and seemingly fall out of the race? We don't know if they get back up, do we? But we don't know if God is dealing with that person and how many people in the apostasy are falling away. And, and I believe that we need the word of patience when the Bible says that there is going to be a falling away from the faith in the last days. Those that remain are to be strengthened with this word of patience while everybody else is falling away. I say to you, remain the word of patience. In verses 16 through 22, we actually have... Another word of possession. So we looked at the Moabites. We talked about uh, about the children of Esau. And now 
uh, now the instructions are they're going to pass through the coast of Moab and they're going to come to the children of Ammon and the same instructions, distress them not, don't meddle with them. Right there in 19, I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession. I have given it unto them for a possession. Now, what is this word of possession? Well, it strengthens in this truth that if he has done it for them, he will do it for us. If he has done it for Israel, think of the promises of God that have come to Israel, those that have received their Messiah. For the Gentiles, Gentile believers, is there a possession in Christ Jesus for us? And we're told we're brought into that inheritance. And and the key thing is, I have given it. That's That's the word from the Lord. And he describes there how the Ammonites had called the giants there, the Zamzumims, and they were a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. But right there in verse 21, the Lord destroyed them before them. And then they succeeded them. And then the call to the children of Israel was, rise up, take your journey, verse 24, pass over the river Arnon, and he, he describes in them, I've given the land of Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Now, I believe in days in which we're living, that as I would stir you up, that the, the coming of the Lord is near. When you can see the signs of the second coming, know that the rapture of the church is near. It's like this. When you see Christmas lights up, you know that Thanksgiving is near. Right? So you think about the signs of the second coming of Jesus should stir us up for the catching away of the church. Now, you might say, hey, pastor, you've been talking about that. I've known you for 15 years, and you've been talking about that for 15 years. Well, if you know me for 15 more, I hope I'm talking about the same thing as long as we're still here. See, we need this word of possession. When you believe that you're the Lord's, right, and that he is yours, you, you hear that, right? The promise is, he says, that you are mine, and we say to him, you know, we are yours and, and you are ours. And, and that's our hope. As a church, we're called to be one in Jesus. We're no longer of the world. And so what is our lasting possession? Our lasting possession is his everlasting kingdom. Now, I don't know where the church stopped talking about this. Maybe when things got good. And then people, you know, the church just started talking about, well, I'll retire at 62. I've got my, you know, this. And, and we really started to plan, we really just started to plan another tier of what we were expecting to have in this, in this, in this land. Rather than to see for the church, it's, it's an everlasting kingdom. And he has promised us everlasting life. Now, before we wrap up tonight, we have two more. So, there's only five of them, but these are Deborim. There's a word of patience. There's a word of possession. There is a word of provision. We need that. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We, we don't know, right? Like me, 1999, January of 1999, I showed up at work at Red River Collections where I was a collection manager, working collection manager. Uh, before dialers, I was, you know, seeking to make my daily goal 120 Phone calls, right? That, I don't know what people make now on dialers. I don't know how many calls you make, uh, Chris, in a day. I was picking up that phone and searching for numbers, and I was 
I got call 120 people a day, talk to them as many as I can, and just keep just keep pounding it like that. Well, I show up at work in January of '99, and the word to me was, "Well, you can still have a job here, but you're going to be paid $500 less a month. $500 less of the little amount of money that I was making in 1999 as a bill collector." My wife was, I think, about six months pregnant. I started like, I, I, how am I going to make this? And our plan already was for her to be done with work. And I, I didn't know it, but that day I showed up, and I, I literally had a choice. I'm home in the middle of the day, and my wife's like, what is going on? I said, well, this is what's going on. I have to figure out today if I'm going to continue to work there. See, what if, it, what if that's what the way this world turns and and there are no jobs, there is no thing, and you show up and, and nothing nothing is the way it used to be. Well, word of patience, right? Word of possession, what do you hold to? Word of provision. Hey, what if the church has to meet one another's needs? What if we literally have to apply where we work to meet our own needs and the needs of other, and we pool things together in order to live the way the scriptures talk about? Well, there's also trouble in the world, isn't there? Anybody seen trouble from governments where governments used to protect the rights of the people? Right? The things that we're just experiencing now, these are just the beginnings of birth pangs in this country. But then we hear reports from other parts of the world. Well, in that day, when they began to possess what God had for them, the children of Israel, Moses declares how the whole interaction went down with Sihon, king of Heshbon. And if you look right there in verse 26, kids, thanks for reading. I don't have to read all these words now when I teach it. Okay, It's good. Right there in 26, Moses says, I sent messengers with words of peace, saying, let us pass through. We'll pay for everything. Just like we did with Esau, the Edomites, just like we did with others, the Moabites, let us pass through. Now, I remind you, in days in which we're living, before the coming of the Lord, before the rapture of the church, as perilous times enter into the world, trouble, okay, we're still here. Okay? We are not appointed unto God's wrath. I believe the Antichrist will not be revealed until the restrainer is taken out of the way. But we may experience all kinds of trouble that's in the world before that all comes. And if you didn't believe that before, after the last couple of years, I think you believe me now. So these are words to make us ready. What's the word? Hey, we are called to peace. If you look at 26, he sent words of peace. We still, as Christians, are called to peace. Now, when you consider that, and and I believe this matches, it does not mean that we will have peace. Everybody tracking with me? We're called to peace, and we're called to live that way, and we need to remember that. Because you know how easily uh, we can be overtaken by the lawlessness that's in this world and our love can grow cold and what can we as Christians begin to plan? We can plan our hatred where we can chop up everybody into nice little pieces and throw them away. But we're called to peace. Romans 12:18. If it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. But 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 what about that one? What about that? Hey, do not do not listen to the media that tries to stir up your anger and your hatred and to destroy your peace. You must spend more time alone with the Lord so you know how to respond to all the things that are going on in the world. We're called the peace. 
Uh, Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for our peace. Hey, for, for Christians in the Roman Empire, it was, did they have it harder than we do now? Okay. Paul's writing this letter to the Romans. I think we can apply with understanding the book of Romans. Hey, and, and then chapter 13, where it says we're submitted under the government, don't misapply that. Okay, when the government is, is saying to do things that are never laws or legal, when you say I'm not going to follow a mandate, that's not breaking the law. How many of us have just had a lot of things in our lives just, just pass right by? But I am submitted and a man of peace. I also can stand up and say no and still be at peace. And then use that opportunity as the Spirit opens the door to preach the gospel of peace to those that would listen. I love the testimony of uh, uh, Mike McClure out in the San Jose area. And, and the government would come and they would show up at church, say, why are you having church services? He said, well, we're doing everything you said to do. And then, so that, and then you give us new rules to do. And you don't tell us how to do them, but, but God told us to keep showing up and assemble together. So we follow what God says. And all along, you, and now you tell us not to sing, but, the, but God tells us to sing praises unto him. We're going to stick with what God says. They literally came to try to stop Calvary Chapel in San Jose to, to stop them from praising God because they were meeting indoors and during this virus, they were singing and, and Mike says, we're going to keep singing. Now, as I share that, was Mike at peace? Right? He was not seeking to war against the city. They were continuing to be at peace with God and the city and the county came after them and they were finding them and yet Mike, you would talk to him and Mike is still living peaceably amongst all the people who work and live there. He's still living at peace. Now, one last one for you tonight as we wrap up. So we are called and again, I deliver to you the word of peace. We are to be peaceable with all men. We as believers are not to form enemies, hatred. We're not to line along party lines and destroy people. We're called to peace that we might preach the gospel. It's important. We're called to love our enemies. Now, that one might be tougher, right? Than we really want to talk about the other ones. But the last one is the word of power. When Heshbon... Right? The Sihon, king of Heshbon, they said, you cannot pass through. Instead, he came out to fight. The Bible says that the Lord hardened his spirit, made his heart obstinate. Now, what should we do when you face opposition? We will find opposition in this world. What did Jesus teach us? He said, do not be surprised when the world hates you. It hated me first. Hey, if they treat if they treat you this way, know that they treated me this way first. We will find opposition when we're called to the word of peace. We may even extend peace only to find real opposition that wants to destroy. And here's where I bring the last word. I think as believers, we might want this as the first word. And this last one is the word of power. The word of power. We have been given in the Lord, as the Lord said unto Moses, that God was doing a work there with Sihon. In verse 31, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land before thee, begin to possess it. What if, in all this opposition, that the Lord is handing over the evil unto 
those that are righteous. I love reading Reese Howells. If you ever read, he describes, because he was prayerfully seeking God during, leading up to World War II, and during World War II, and they saw what was happening. Wherever Hitler was giving his influence into the world, and they were actively involved in Africa, and the gospel was spreading in Africa, they were sponsoring it, supporting it, missionaries, and, and the Germans got to Africa, and it shut the gospel down. So they began to pray. They began to pray, Lord, how do we, how do we make peace so the gospel can go forth? Hey, we understand that, right? Paul told Timothy to pray for peace that the gospel could go forth. Well, as Hitler persisted to, to overtake the world, it became apparent in their days that they began to pray in the spirit because the spirit showed them what was going on. They, they, they referred to Hitler as the beast. Now, they weren't saying that he was the beast of Revelation, but they're watching everything they did, and they started in the spirit to pray to pray that the beast must be destroyed. And when I read through that, I had no understanding of anyone praying like that during World War II, and to find that, guess what? Moses gives the exact same instruction to the children of Israel, and he gives them the word of power. Have you ever prayed prayers that God should destroy the wicked? Have you ever prayed prayers that that you're like, Lord, you've got to destroy this wicked government. You've got to destroy this. And if you think about it, all the policies, look at how it's hindered the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what came came forth. And God delivered Sihon before them. They smote him, all his people. They took all their cattle, all their cities, and God gave them victory Now, as I give us the word of power, many believers want this first, right? Just give me victory. But not realizing that without putting these all into place, the word of provision, we need that in these days. We need the word of possession. Hey, if we're not not kingdom-minded, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we are going to be swept over by the things in this world. If we don't hold to the possession that we have in heaven, we'll start looking at things here on earth, and we're going to be like, it's not really worth it anymore. I mean, think of, think of the trials and difficulty and suffering we're going to go through as Christians just to serve him in righteousness. So we need that, that word of possession. And then the word of, the word of peace, right? The word of patience, the word of power. There is a victory over the enemy. And I absolutely love the testimony with Reese Howells. They, he put them together. They began to pray at specific points when Hitler was doing an offensive in, in England because they were in the U.K., and they were praying that these efforts that Hitler was advancing would be confused, would be troubled. And they record prayers that it wasn't just them, but these prayers were going up. And they experienced God answering prayer and bringing confusion to the plans that the Germans wanted to do to overtake. And God delivered. Now, I leave you with this in this word of power. We have victory over the enemy. right? And especially 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter. We have power over death. Okay? When you are talking to people about all the turmoil that's now in the world over this man-made, again, I believe man-made or manipulated sickness from the coronavirus or you know, this, this deadly aspect to a coronavirus, we have an opportunity right, to speak truth. We have an opportunity not to prove ourselves right, <coughs> but we have an opportunity 
to show that we have been delivered from fear and power of death. Now, one of my co-workers, believer, right, needs kidney transplant. He gets, he gets the COVID virus at my day job, and he been intubated, and he's now weeks on a ventilator. And I'll, I'll probably get a, a report again from my boss in, in this upcoming week. And he knows the Lord. Okay, What is our real victory? Hey, if he doesn't pull through this, where's he at? He's in heaven. He's with the Lord. See, we're not sometimes always, like, what are we thinking about deliverance from what? Hey, if you're delivered, right? What if your deliverance comes through death that you're with the Lord? We're going to be strange people to this world, right? Don't misunderstand that word. Peter calls us peculiar, peculiar people. It actually doesn't mean we're weird. It means we've obtained the inheritance. Look it up sometime. When we talk about possession, inheritance, and power, the promise, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever is born of God overcomes this world, and this is our victory that overcomes this world, our faith. So I leave you with that tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 2, ready words. right? Ready words, provision, right? possession, patience, uh, let's see, patience and peace and power. Ready words. Are they at your ready? Are, are you walking in them? Hey, provision. God has blessed the work of my hands that I might be able to do this. Possession, I have everlasting life. Okay? And that's more valuable to me than anything else. Okay? Just stir you up and let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We ask that you would bless your church, Lord, to receive ready words for the days in which we're living. Lord, we, we don't know if we're caught away tomorrow and we're with you. We don't know if we die and go to be with you. We don't know now. Again, some will get this, this sickness that's passing through the world and, and they'll be with you. Lord, may we have your words leading up into the days in which we're living, that we'd have words of peace for those that are and warn them of judgment, Lord, that we could be your people in your kingdom. No matter how tomorrow turns out, we can trust in you. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So Lord bless you, and I pray that this stirs you up. Again, you you catch how I'm studying Deuteronomy. We're going to consider the words of Moses, and we're we're going to be stirred up for the words of how we're to live. So read ahead, Deuteronomy 3 for next week. I don't know yet what I'm planning to do if we're going to read it the way we did tonight. But just make yourself ready and then we'll be right there with the Word of God. So Lord bless you. Good night.